Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Distro. Got a very special episode for you guys this week because I am joined by my girlfriend and she will be reviewing some of her favorite movies, the worst movie we ever saw together. And she also has a review of a brand new movie that just came out on Netflix this past weekend called All the Bright Places, which is currently in the top 10 on Netflix. So we'll do all that with her, which if you don't know kind of my story... I started dating maybe four or five years ago after I lost like 100 pounds and I was out there for a good amount of time and about two years ago I met my girlfriend now on Bumble and we've been dating long distance for the entire time. I met her, she was living in Austin, I'm living here in Nashville and we've been making it work and I've taken her with me to a lot of the movies I've reviewed on this podcast. She loves movies Maybe not as much as I do, but she likes going to the movie theater and I will pretty much drag her along to all the things I go see, which we have a lot of similar tastes in that. So it's not like I'm just dragging her to movies for the sake of dragging her to movies. There's some things that maybe she wouldn't go watch otherwise. But even when we met, I think that was kind of a thing that drew me to her is that she was into movies as much as I was, especially like superhero movies, which are probably my favorite. So we'll get into the things that kind of we watch since we've been together. So it's kind of like our relationship told through movies is what we'll get into and then a movie that she wanted to watch over the weekend which i didn't know just came out on netflix and we'll review that movie which is actually pretty good so i'll also get into my review of the invisible man which just came out on friday with elizabeth moss it's a new like horror suspense movie where she's trying to convince people that her ex is stalking her and he has found a way to turn himself invisible which i thought was a great plot and i'll explain why it was actually ended up being a pretty good movie A lot better than the Hollow Man interpretation from like 2000. And as always, if you don't mind, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you want to go down there, leave a five-star rating and write a quick review because that helps other people who haven't heard of me. They don't know I work on The Bobby Bones Show. They don't know I'm a producer on The Bobbycast. And they find this podcast just by searching on there because you leave a review. It kind of helps me get up there higher in the category, which I've seen some people who have no idea who I am mention that they're a listener of the podcast now, which I think is cool. And it helps out when you guys do that. 
And if you're just listening on iHeartRadio or any other platform, just hit that follow button so you get brand new episodes every single Monday because I like it when you guys come hang out with me, all right? Or if you just know somebody who's into movies, be like, hey, check out this podcast. I think you'll learn some stuff from it. I think you'll enjoy it. That is all you really have to do too. So, all right, with all that said, got a great episode for you guys this week. And without further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am joined now by my girlfriend. Hello, Kelsey. Hello. You've never done a podcast before? I have not. And I wanted to bring you on on this episode because... I pretty much drag you to everything I go see. Pretty much. But I think early in our relationship, um, movies were kind of a big deal. We messaged pretty early on about movies. We did. We bonded over some shared love of disaster films. So for those listening, the way we met, it's been about two years now. We met on Bumble, which on Bumble, you had to message me first after we matched. Why did you swipe right on me? (laughs) Being put on the spot here. That was a loaded question. I was not prepared for that one. Okay. Um, So I was a listener of the show. So I knew things about you. I knew that you were in Austin frequently. I thought we had things in common. I was trying to date more. I was like, you know, I'm going to swipe right. Maybe we'll go on a date. We'll both get more dating experience. And here we are two years later, still going on dates. But even like early, I remember messaging you about we talked about what, like Doctor Strange at the time, I think was out. That was Avengers out. Avengers movies. And then we've gone to see a lot of movies together since. So I wanted to bring you on to talk about your favorite three movies, which I kind of think paint a picture of our relationship through movies in a way. Yes. And I will mention that you had only seen one out of my favorite three. And I forced you to watch the other so two. So I've seen all these. Um, you'll make your list and then I'll give my opinions on after I saw them. Okay. So starting first at number three. Number three would be The Family Stone, which some people would call it a Christmas movie. I watch it all year round. It's also polarizing because a lot of people don't like Sarah Jessica Parker's character in the movie because she is kind of annoying. I personally love it. My mom and I watch it every year, every Christmas. Um, It's just one of my favorite movies. It's very like indicative of the complicated family dynamics and just like how the holidays bring that out. And I just love it. So without spoiling the movie overall, what is it about? So it is about a family. All of the siblings come home for Christmas and one of them brings his new girlfriend home, who's Sarah Jessica Parker. And it's just about the drama that ensues from him bringing her home for the first time. Not only had I never seen this movie, I never really heard about it. And I didn't really, I didn't know it was going to be like a straight up Christmas movie, which I think, I don't think it's a straight up Christmas movie. It happens around Christmas time, but there's no Santa Claus. There's not Santa Claus, but yes, it is centered around Christmas. And I like Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker. Like, I've seen every episode of Sex and the City. And not only that, I've seen the first and the second movie. So I like her in it. I think her character's a little bit... I think she's kind of typecast sometimes. She is very, like, type A, high maintenance. So um, what would you give the family stone? Five out of five Christmas trees. And it's your favorite because blank. It's probably just tradition. My mom and I have watched it every year for like the past 12 years. It's like what we look forward to. Like November 1st rolls around. My mom puts up the Christmas tree at home. I go home. We drink a glass of wine. We watch the movie. And it's just kind of become our thing over the years. I liked it. I think I would give it like three and a half out of five. That's fair. I, just, I don't think it's exactly a movie for guys like me. 
Probably not. But I found it enjoyable, and I'd watch it again. I think it's a good traditional movie to watch. Good to know you'll be watching it every Christmas. I will watch it again. All right. Number two on your list. Twister. Okay, I think this is where like we kind of had like a point like, oh my gosh, I found somebody else who likes disaster movies as much as I do. A very strange movie for someone to put probably in their top three, but I love disaster movies. I'm scared of natural disasters, terrified of them. I get freaked out when there's tornado warnings. I love watching them on a movie. And um, for I'll explain this one just because it's one of my favorite movies too, but it's Bill Paxton and he pretty much used to run with this crew of like storm chasers. He goes the way to be like a big time meteorologist or weatherman as they all give him crap about. And it's him coming back to essentially join their gang for a bit because he's trying to get Joe in the movie to sign the divorce papers. Very dramatic. Um, But I don't know why I love that movie so much. Like me and my brother would watch it all the time. And it was like a movie we just quoted all the time. And it's really not a movie people like consider to be their favorite movie. But there's just something about it. Like anytime it's on TV... Or anytime I see it on, and it pops up like, an, it's not on like Netflix or anything right now, but when it does pop up somewhere, I, I watch it. And that's a movie like we watched pretty early on in our relationship. I think that was the first movie we watched. And you do quote the movie. You quoted the entire thing. I can, I can quote that movie from start to finish. And I think so much so that like in my like normal life, I use quotes from that movie just all the time. Like stuff that doesn't even make sense out of context. Even like the part where they're, they go and they all get coffee and they put it on top of the cup on top of the car and i'm like oh yeah this is that, like that scene from twister when he drives off with it like that stuff is just stuck in my head for some reason and i love that movie what would you rate that well i feel like i probably shouldn't have given my number three movie five out of five i would i would give this one five out of five twisters five out of five twisters i i think it's a solid 4.5 out of five just because first of all r.i.p bill paxton i think he's great in it um you even have like people who are like um Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it. He plays just a random character in it, and he goes on to be a huge actor. Um, I just love it. I give it five out of five twisters. I think it's a movie that you can watch any single time. It's not hard to follow. (laughs) It's just a movie about them chasing twisters, but it's done well. Because you can do disaster movies, and they'd be pretty bad. We have watched some bad ones. We've watched some really bad ones. I think we've watched all of the disaster films together. Yeah, I think, was it last Christmas where we just binged every single disaster movie? And then we tried like a low-budget Amazon disaster movie. I think that's where we drew the line. It was pretty (laughs) bad. That was like a pretty much a rip-off twister. Yes. But the twister looked terrible. And it spit out fire. It did spit out fire. (laughs) All right, so that is your number two movie. Moving on to number one. Number one, hands down, Bridesmaids. And that was a movie, I mean, that came out almost 10 years ago now. And I had never seen. And Which you was were shocking to me. Surprised to you that I, because I mean, I, I've seen a lot of movies and especially comedy stuff. But for some reason, I think around that time that movie came out, I was burnt out on the way they were making comedies. I felt like they were just kind of churning out like, oh, here's a movie. Like they were all trying to be the hangover at that point because the hangover came out in 2009. And I felt like everything after that was just like, OK, let's do the female hangover. Let's do hangover, but in a circus setting or something like that. And was just some reason when that movie came out, I was like, I'm tired of seeing this movie plot kind of regurgitated. So even though I like Kristen Wiig, I just never saw it. And now how you can quote Twister, I can quote Bridesmaids beginning to finish. I think that's why I ended up having to watch it, because you would quote it all the time and I wouldn't get it. And you'd be like, OK, you have to watch this movie now. Um, but did you go see that in theaters? Yes, I did. So how did that movie kind of affect you when you saw it? I just thought it was hilarious because I had seen The Hangover and I thought that was funny. But there was just something about Bridesmaids and just the way they 
depicted like the whole process of wedding planning and just the drama that it ensues from that as well and just I thought it was hilarious and I just think that Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph are a dream team Melissa McCarthy steals the show in that movie she is hilarious she was really good in that and that's like early on her too that was like post Gilmore Girls but like early in her getting into films oh yeah I forgot she was a Gilmore girl she was in all seven seasons of Gilmore Girls what's your favorite scene of the entire movie oh that's a tough one there's a really funny scene when and I'm not really spoiling anything. They have a bridal shower for Maya Rudolph's character and the party favor is puppies. And later in the movie, you discover that Melissa McCarthy has stolen like oh. nine of them. <laughs> and she just pulls up next to Kristen Wiig's character in this van. And she's like pointing at all of the puppies and there's just nine small puppies in her front seat. <laughs> I, like when I, when I saw, we took us a minute to finish that movie I think too. we have watched it in two parts, which was probably not the best idea. Which I think I would probably want to go back and watch it all the way through again. But it's really funny and it holds up. It does. I remember I took that movie with me to my college orientation and everyone like went out the first night and I got a bunch of people to stay in and we watched Bridesmaids and my best friend and I bonded over that. And I was like, this is how I know we're going to be friends forever. What would you feel like if they came out and said they were going to make a Bridesmaids 2? How do you feel about sequels? I don't think it would hold up for that. I just think the magic was too good in the first one and I think if they tried to do anything else it wouldn't be as funny because I don't think they expected it to be as big of a hit as it was I think it was just kind of like you said like okay the hangover was funny we're gonna do a female comedy I don't think they expected it to take off in the way that it did and kind of what they did with the hangover is they just ended up doing the same movie over and over and each one kind of got worse and worse it did get worse um but that's your what do you give it five out of five five out of five puppies five out of five puppies I think I give it um Four and a half out of five pink lemonades. Classic. Classic. Okay, so what we're going to do next is we're going to talk about the movie I drug you to see that you ended up hating. It's terrible. And then we'll also do a new movie review of, of something we watched over the weekend on Netflix. It's brand new out. Which we didn't expect to be as good as it was. Pretty emotional. Very emotional. So we'll do those both two things after this. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. 
Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like a recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back here. So the movie I drug you to see that you ended up not liking, and it was a movie that I can usually tell how good a movie is going to be just on the trailer. And when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, that looks good. It hits me kind of in the feels. It kind of reminds me of my childhood. And I think that's going to be a pretty well done movie because Disney rarely does a bad movie. And we're talking about Christopher Robin, which takes place with the older Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh coming back into his life. Okay, say, looking back on this now, I can maybe see the fall in this. <laughs> and you were so excited. I was that's so excited to, to see this movie because... That just that's that trailer when he's like, oh, and he meets Winnie the Pooh and he's talking to him. <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of emotional just because he's older. Winnie the Pooh's still there. I kind of wanted it to be more emotional and just more like a better story. But then we watched it. Was it as good as we thought? It was not. It was it was so bad that the lady next to me in the theater took out her phone during the movie and scrolled through every photo album that she had on her phone. And I'm not going to lie. Looking at her photos over her shoulder was also more interesting <laughs> to me than watching the film. When did the movie lose you? When it started. <laughs> really? I felt like the, maybe the first... I was not excited going into it. Okay. But I felt like maybe the first 20, 30 minutes or so were okay. No. Nothing? No. Uh, I, li I still like the, like the first 30 minutes of it when you see Christopher Robin, you find out his kind of the sad backstory that he's working too much. He's kind of not involved in his family's life. He has a mental breakdown, and he kind of thinks that Winnie the Pooh is a figment of his imagination again. And that was kind of cool to see. I think the CGI was a little weird on Winnie the Pooh. They didn't really have him, like, cuddly looking. Um, the whole plot line with Eeyore, he just kind of seems like a sad, depressed guy who even tries to kill himself in the movie. And then I think the problem I had with it was just Winnie the Pooh just seemed kind of like a drunk friend in the movie. Like, when he, ever he comes to their house for the first time, he's, like, stumbling around the kitchen trying to find honey. And he's like, okay, he's just a drunken Pooh bear at this point. <laughs> but I, and then it, it pretty much lost me maybe the last, like, the third act of the movie when they're just kind of, like, chasing around and figuring out things. I don't really felt like Christopher Robin ever had, like, a... Like, he was going to go back and change his life. I just thought it was like, okay, that's it. This movie's over. It was pretty flat. And yeah. once again, keep in mind, this is the first movie we saw in theaters together. Yeah. And you just raved about your love of movies. 
and this is the first thing that you drag me to see. <laughs> You've redeemed yourself over the years, but yeah. that was not a strong start. Like we, like I said earlier, I take you to see a bunch of things that maybe you wouldn't go see otherwise. Um, this was probably not the best one and not a good indicator of the other good things to see because you won't watch scary movies and a review I'm going to do later in this episode is for the invisible man and you wouldn't go watch that. I will not watch scary movies. I think the scariest thing we've watched together is bird box, which that took a good convincing to get you to see, but you ended up liking it. It was good. I just don't do the suspense. It just freaks me out. Um, and then I think something like maybe uncut gems, you probably wouldn't have gone to see. Probably not. Or Ad Astra probably wouldn't have gone to see that. What about 1917? I would have gone to see that one. Okay. And you liked all those, right? I did. We have overall similar taste in movies. Just not scary movies. Not scary But I'll see just about anything else. And then the movie we just watched on Netflix, what did you think about it? I thought it was so good. I had actually downloaded it to watch on the plane on my flight here and ended up watching something else. And so I was like, oh, let's check this out. It was so emotional. I was not expecting that. So it's called All the Bright Places, and it's currently at number seven in the top ten on Netflix. So Netflix now, they take the ten biggest movies and TV shows, and they kind of put them in a top ten. And this just came out on Friday, and it's up at number seven right now. A lot more emotional than I thought it was going to be, and they kind of give a warning at the beginning of the of the movie, even before you go into it, that it's going to be, it's TVMA that the rating is. But it's um, Elle Fanning who plays Violet in the movie, Justice Smith, who plays Finch, who was in De- Detective Pikachu, um, Jurassic World. And I think he was in that show, The Get Down, that was on Netflix for a bit. And then you have Luke Wilson, which I think this is a pretty big movie for Netflix as far as like the cast. Like Those are all actors doing normal like blockbuster movies right now. And I think it's kind of cool for them to have like a bigger movie like this with actual like A-list actors. Well, maybe not A-list all the, all the way around, but I think that's pretty good for them as far as having like this kind of caliber of movies, how'd you feel about it? I loved it. Um, just reading the description of it, I was like, oh, this sounds good. I think I would enjoy this. But then watching it, you just get so drawn into the characters. And I thought Elle Fanning was awesome in it. Um, I think that she is one of those actors that like she's done child acting stuff. And now we're getting to see her in more mature roles, which I think is really cool. Um, I just thought it was based on a young adult novel i'd never heard of it kind of makes me want to go back and read the book now but i just thought it was really well done i thought i thought it looked really good like i i think for movies now for me i kind of like watch them with like a like a visual eye and i think the the cinematography in this was cool the colors on it looked really cool like all the stuff where they're like driving out into the country it had kind of a cool feel to it and i thought the story was really good like it starts pretty emotional with the way they meet and then throughout the movie, kind of learning more about their both their characters, I was like, it, I didn't end up crying at the end, but I did get a little teary-eyed. We won't ruin the ending, but... I teared up a little. It's emotional. And I think it's kind of geared more towards, like, teens and stuff, because it is based on that young adult novel. But I think even for adults, it's a good movie to watch. Yeah, I don't feel like there was anything that was exclusively, like, only teenagers would like this. I feel like a lot of the overarching themes, like, anyone could appreciate... Um, what do you rate this movie? I would give this four and a half out of five sticky notes. Sticky notes. I gave it, I gave it four out of five rocks, which I think is pretty solid for it. I think it's doing pretty good. Um, I do kind of like that Netflix does the, the top 10 now. I don't know how much that is actually based on like how much people are watching is what they say, but Netflix never puts out their numbers of like how many times something is streamed or watched. 
I don't know if they're just kind of using this as another way of like uh, promoting what's out right now. I mean, didn't they once say that like Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston movie did really well? They said it was like their most streamed movie, <laughs> which I don't know how accurate that is. I don't know if they're just making this like a top 10, like, oh, these are our top 10 shows we are promoting right now. Or it's actually what people are clicking on the most. Also, I don't know if it's like if they're just clicking on it or actually watching the whole thing to get into that top 10. But I think that's kind of cool just to go and see like what other people are watching. And it kind of gives me like a better idea of what I go on because to go on Netflix to watch because sometimes I go on there. I don't know what I want to watch. I don't know what's good. I don't even know what's new. But I think having that top 10 kind of gives at least of like, okay, this is at least shows people are talking about maybe something worth watching. I typically spend more time scrolling than I do actually watching something because I'm very indecisive. So I was surprised that I even found something to watch from me. I'm a little behind the curve. I think the last thing they put out that I watched right away was the Taylor Swift documentary. Yeah. Would you like? I did. I like that too. I still have that song stuck in my head. <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to say? I don't think so. This was fun. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for putting me in the hot seat. <laughs> I guess you have nothing to promote. Your Instagram is private. My Instagram is private. Do you want to just promote our relationship? <laughs> yes promote our relationship yes ship this ship this <laughs> all right that has been my girlfriend all right getting into my review now of the invisible man starring elizabeth moss who you would know from the handmaid's tale she was also in Mad Men, and now she's starring in this new horror suspense thriller that from the trailer alone looks like it's going to be pretty good so i went into it kind of having eh, medium or so expectations because it's hard to put out a good horror movie and even harder to do like suspense just right so it's not the first time this plot has been done you've maybe seen it before in the 2000 movie with kevin bacon hollow man those are both based on a novel by hg wells and has had several different adaptations over the years but this is the brand new one some pretty interesting things about who directed this that i didn't know that actually has a pretty cool tie-in and i'll get into my review next but here's just a little bit of the invisible man he was a sociopath completely in control of everything he said that wherever i went he would find me walk right up to me and i wouldn't be able to see him are you okay someone sitting in that chair so like i said this movie is based on a story by hg wells which is written way back in the day and has been done kind of over time the probably the most popular one is hollow man starring kevin bacon which is essentially the same premise, except they're all scientists in a lab and they tested out this technology on Kevin Bacon and then he's helping them with the experiment and then in the end he just kind of turns on them. Where this is different, it's a guy who's pretty much a really rich scientist who focuses on security stuff and he ends up creating this suit that essentially enables him to become invisible and he is dating Elizabeth Moss who he's really abusive towards and she finds a way to leave him and then she finds out that he had killed himself, but is trying to convince other people that he had just faked the whole thing and is in turn haunting him with this suit. So that's kind of where this movie takes place. That's the plot without really ruining anything. And then it escalates from there. But the movie was directed by Lee Whannell, who is also an actor. He's been in things like Saw and Insidious, which he not only starred in, but he also wrote those movies, which were directed by James Wan. And they've kind of had a relationship over the years where he takes his screenwriting, turns them into movies, and he sometimes stars in them too. But this is one that he directed in, wrote the screenplay for, and he has a pretty good grasp on horror and suspense. So from that alone, I didn't know that about him. 
Like he was actually in saw one of the guys in the room at the very beginning of the movie. And I think this movie came at a really good time coming out at the end of February, which is a time which I think there are a bunch of sleeper kind of horror suspense movies come out because it's a time where there's not a whole lot of stuff in theaters. A lot of it's like, okay, bigger action movies and maybe a comedy here and there. But there's always one solid horror suspense movie that comes out around this time. And I think this one is it because it's done really well with a plot that I think maybe you could turn cheesy really quick. And I don't think I ever felt that in the movie. So I think Elizabeth Moss's performance in it is probably what carries the entire movie because she's so believable and she's able to get this really dramatic kind of powerful force behind her in a role that really kind of brings you into the story because she's pretty much throughout the entire movie trying to convince other people that these crazy things happening to her are in fact committed by the guy who's still alive so he's she's saying that he faked his own death and she's trying to convince people that she's not doing these crazy heinous things that end up happening in the movie so overall i think the movie is pretty violent throughout it's not really scary as far as you're going to be watching this and have nightmares about it. But I think the way it's scary is the fact that maybe something like this could happen and things could be happening to you and you having to convince somebody that it in fact is somebody actually there and you're not going crazy. I think that's kind of what I took away from this movie is because you watching the movie, you see the other things happening to her and you were like sympathize with her and you're like, holy crap, how is she ever going to convince other people that it's not really her doing this and she's not going crazy? I think that side of it kind of plays a psychological role in your head of like, what if this did happen to me? Like, how would I convince other people that I'm not crazy? And I think another thing is just that scary factor of like when you're home alone and you feel like you're being watched, like we all get those feelings every now and then of like you think like somebody is in another room and you look and there's nobody there. You're home alone. Maybe you hear a noise in the other room and you go in that room and you're freaked out. Like you get scared like that all the time. And you think about things like this, like what if somebody is in your shower when you open the shower curtain? What if somebody is in your car in the back seat? And I think that side of it just kind of played into me kind of getting more and more of this movie as it went along of like oh man I kind of worry about this kind of stuff and if this really happened in real life which we develop new technologies every single day what's to say somebody can't invent invent like a security suit like this where you can go invisible who's to say that this doesn't already exist in our life right now and somebody's using this on us so I think that side of it is kind of crazy just thinking how far technology can go and how much it could affect our lives like this I think the movie also did well of letting Elizabeth Moss be the star of the movie and not really casting other people to sell this movie. I think her name alone and her performance alone is enough to get people to want to go see this. I like it when they have kind of, I wouldn't say no-name actors, but just lesser-known actors as of the supporting cast because you're not really billing this movie. as like, go see this brand-new movie with all these big actors. It's just like, okay, Elizabeth Moss is in this. Here's the plot. Take it and go because you can pretty much sell this movie by the plot of the movie like okay she thinks she's being stalked by a crazy ex which a lot of people can relate to and she has to convince people that he's actually existing. I think that alone would get kind of people wanting to go see this and people who just want to maybe be scared a little bit. How it compares to Hollow Man, which I liked Hollow Man. It's a little more cheesy, I think, in the way that I think Kevin Bacon, the way he played that character and the things they had him do was a little more like, oh, that's kind of things you would probably think about when you were like 13 years old, what you would do if you were invisible. And I think that movie doesn't have as much of like a suspense factor. It's just kind of him going through killing people one by one. And this is just him tormenting one single character. So I think that kind of twist on the adaptation is a lot better. I think overall, 
they're able to make this kind of a, a scary movie that stands on its own. I'd say like the first first and second actor that and then it kind of turns into this more like, oh, crap, this is actually going down now. And here's where all the action is. So it kind of shifts from just a, like a suspenseful, scary movie in the beginning to like an all out kind of almost like an action free for all in this third act. And I think throughout the movie, you kind of see Elizabeth Moss's character kind of get more and more. I wouldn't say crazy, but kind of like something in her brain kind of turns and shifts to where she gets sick and tired of being tormented and sick and tired of this guy just trying to ruin her life to a point where it pushes her to the edge. And I think it's kind of cool to see her kind of step up and kind of really take action in the end of this movie, which I think was a really cool thing to see for a lead in this. So I say I would give it four out of five knives. It kept my intention throughout the entire movie. It started pretty much with action built up the story and it kind of gets right into the crazy things that happen so there's really never sl any slow parts in the movie and what i loved about this is it gives you that feeling of like how is she gonna get out of this like how is this gonna be resolved you don't really see those kind of twists and turns coming in this and i think it doesn't really give everything away in the trailer it kind of gives the plot and the overall setup but i don't like when movies especially scary movies which they usually tend to give everything away in the trailer and then you're just kind of going into the theater knowing everything and seeing it all unfold i think this one leaves some things to be figured out in the storyline it leaves some twists and turns in there and it kind of makes it worse to go see without just having everything ruined going into it so i like that part of it I also just thought that this has been pretty much the best adaptation of this. Like it's it's not cheesy like Hollow Man was it a bit. And it's just a little more real and just kind of s not scarier, but just more dramatic. I don't know if it really leaves itself up for a sequel. I kind of like it happening just in one instance. I don't think it needs to be, but I think it's good enough to maybe at least give it a shot for a sequel. If the story is there, which they made a Hollow Man 2. Looks terrible. I never heard about it until I was researching for this. So maybe they just keep it at one. But all right, that is my review of The Invisible Man. All right, and that's the episode for this week. Before I hop out of here, I do have some movie news that I want to get to. I saw like three big headlines from this week that I wanted to share with you guys. Some things I'm excited about in movies. First up is that Jordan Peele is remaking Candyman, which back in the day was a movie that scared the crap out of me. It's when you go and you say the Candyman's name like five times and then he appears I saw the trailer actually when I went to go see The Invisible Man and I didn't know he was redoing this. I, I was waiting on like another Us movie or something like that. But I think having his view on Candyman actually looks really good. And the trailer looks pretty scary. It looks pretty promising. And I love Jordan Peele. I was a big fan of Get Out. I thought Us was great. So I think if anybody is going to do The Candyman again, I'm glad it's him. But that comes out on June 12th. You can go watch that trailer, and I think you'd be pretty excited, too. If you're a fan of the original, I like when they go... I, I'm a fan of rebooting horror movies because I think those stories are timeless, and I really like these characters from back in the day. Like I like I like when they do like the new Halloween movies, even like the new Freddy and Jason movies. I'm cool with rebooting those movies just because I'm such a big fan of those characters, and I think that's really something you can't replicate anymore. So I'm excited for that one. I also saw that Steven Spielberg has stepped out of directing the new Indiana Jones movie, which I thought was a pretty big deal. When I first talked about Harrison Ford coming back for that movie, it, I think it was that they worked out a deal to where they could do it together. And the fact that he's stepping down and just kind of being a producer on this one, I'm a little bit worried that it's not going to be as good just because he's been a part of the franchise for the whole 39 year history. 
And Spielberg is a huge director. Like he's like probably the biggest director of our lifetime. And I guess that he's still working with the movie is a good sign. But I just really was excited to see them kind of do this movie together. I just want to see an older Indiana Jones. I think that still would be interesting to see. But the fact that he kind of stepped down is uh, maybe a little bit of a bad sign. And then speaking of Steven Spielberg, he directed the first Jurassic Park, which they announced this week that the new Jurassic World has a brand new name. It's Jurassic World um, Part 3 in this series, and it's called Jurassic World Dominion, which I think looks pretty cool. And the fact that they are bringing back Laura Dern, Sam Neill, and Jeff Goldblum back into this one is a pretty cool idea to have them back from the original. Um, Steven Spielberg isn't directing this one. He hasn't really directed anyone since like the early ones, which... I think kind of got worse and worse at, like after the first original. But I do like the reboot of the franchise with Chris Pratt starting in these. But this one doesn't come out until 2021. I think will be a huge big blockbuster. I think overall like the first one with Chris Pratt was probably the best one. Second one was okay. And I think the third one bringing back those original characters will be pretty cool. But that's all I have in movie news. Thanks everybody for listening to the episode this week. And before I go I got to give my Instagram shout out. I'm going over to Jen G. Martin who tweeted that she was listening to actually the Morgan number two episode. She was catching up on all the old episodes and she posted a picture of her listening on her dashboard car, which I always think is super cool to see the artwork up in your car. And I've seen a lot of people doing this now. They listened to that episode I did with uh, Morgan number two a few weeks ago where she watched all 23 Marvel movies and she came on here and gave her review of every single one. And I've seen people tweet me now and tag me that they're watching all the Marvel movies, which I think is pretty cool to start from the first one if you haven't seen them. Or just to go back and watch them all in the order they came out, which is the order we did them in. If you go back like maybe four or five episodes, you'll see that episode with Morgan number two. And in the episode notes I have there, um, the, the order she watched them in. So if you want to go check that episode out, it's a cool one to see. And if you want to do that challenge, it's a pretty big task with 23 movies. I think it would take you like three and a half days or so if you watch them like 24 hours on a loop but shout out to Jen G. Martin on Instagram who watched that and tagged me in that if you want to get an Instagram shout out that's all you got to do just screenshot wherever you're listening to the podcast if you're listening on Monday when this comes out or just later in the week and tag me in that I'll repost those and that means a lot to me when you put it in your Instagram story because hey other people see you and they're like hey what's this maybe I'll go check that out so thanks you guys for listening to this week's episode I hope you enjoyed it Thanks to my girlfriend for stopping by and being interviewed on her first ever podcast. And I will be back hanging out with you guys next week. If you want to tweet me any ideas you think I should do or hit me up on Instagram, I'm at Mike Distro. Or if you want to shoot me an email, you can hit me up at moviemikeD at gmail.com. In the meantime, I will talk to you guys later. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 